0: we had this conversation coming home cuz he just kind of got got all in his head and i can't do it and i'm not good enough and all this and and we had the conversation for the first time and i don't know how much he retained i hope he grabbed onto something but like just listening to those voices in your head being aware of which voice you're going to listen to and we've we've had we've talked about these on on the show quite a bit is all right how aware are you of that dialogue that's going on in your head and which one? Which voices are you gonna listen to? And it's something that, yeah, I never was taught. Like, I literally in my head, I mean, still to this day I struggle with it, but it always was you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You're not good enough to be the quarterback, you're not good enough to be on this team, you're not good enough to talk to the girl, you're not good enough to be in that group of guy friends, you're not good enough, to, I mean, the list goes on and on. That was all. all in my head mm-hmm. was you're not good enough.
1: Something is going badly wrong for American teenagers, as we can see in the statistics on depression, anxiety, and suicide. Something is going very wrong on many college campuses, as we can see in the growth of call-out culture, in the rise in efforts to disinvite or shout down visiting speakers, and in changing norms about speech, including a recent tendency to evaluate speech in terms of safety and danger. This new culture of safetyism and and vindictive Protectiveness is bad for student and bad for universities. What can we do to change course? In this chapter, we draw on earlier chapters to offer advice for raising children who are wiser, stronger, and anti-fragile. Children who will thrive as they become more independent in college and beyond. We've made it, Tyler. Part four of our series of the book, Reviewing the Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are setting up a generation for failure so we've spent the last three episodes part one two and three and if you haven't listened to those pause this now go back and listen to parts one two and three why because we've set up it's all built up to today's episode we've done a lot of bitching we've done a lot of moaning we've done a lot of complaining we've done a lot of setting up what the not only what the problem is but how the problem was created and that's all important stuff. I don't yeah. want to neglect that. But we don't want to be a podcast that comes on here like a lot of podcasts and just complains the whole time. Yeah. And hopefully it hasn't come off as that. Hopefully it's been a true dive into what the problem is and how, and, and where it came from. Yeah, potentials and then but creating potential And, and today yeah. that's what I wanted to, to really focus on is, okay, now that we know the problem is, now we know where it came from, how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. Because that truly is the most important thing we can start to focus on. Yep. The last two years in particular have been wild and crazy. The last 10 to 12 years, as this book is referenced, have been really crazy. Yeah. So how can we learn from the mistakes of the last 10 to 12 years, learn from things that we did wrong, learn from things that that we can do better, and how do we do better, and how do mm. we go forward? Mm. How do Tyler and I raise our kids in a way mm. that, that keeps in mind the things, the mistakes that we've made the last 10 years. Yeah, so I, I think that's, that's important
0: for societies to recognize is to, um, is to self-assess. Okay. Hey, what are the things that we're doing good? What are the things that we're, we are, um, not doing well? What are some of the patterns and, um, trends that are going well? What are the ones that aren't doing, aren't doing well? Uh, I, what scares me is, right? Empires go through cycles. Mm-hmm. Every single one has been at the top, top of the mountain, and then it came crashing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's one thing, and I, and I just I feel like right now in our culture we're so uh, adverse to self assessment, like a truthful self assessment, mm-hmm. uh, because we're so busy bickering and fighting with each other yep. and, and as a, and nobody can hear the truth because like we've talked about in this book, words are violence now, mm-hmm. like, because we don't want to hear what the truth is. We don't want to hear that. Hey, maybe we're not, we're not thinking through this the right way or, Hey, we're not treating each other the way that we should, or Hey, we're not, we're not we're selfishly doing what we want to do because it feels good Mm -hmm. and that you need to now believe what I believe Mm -hmm. whatever side you're on. But for a society to avoid historical trends, we have to self-assess. We have to understand because when you self-assess, that's when you can now take a step back. And what we're about to do is talk through, okay, now at least we know what we're doing wrong Mm -hmm. and we admit it. Now we can, implement something we think can think logically on what some of those solutions can be to correct
1: the course yeah we we suck in general at arguing yeah oh (laughs) awful and having constructive dialogue discussion yeah and this is something I think about a lot because that's absolutely 100% the case on social media Uh on the virtual world I do think about though in everyday life at work we were, you know, mentioned it yesterday. We were at a softball game together. And I'm thinking all these different guys were such different mentalities, different mindsets. We probably have different political opinions, and yet we're all able to get along. We're all able to work towards a goal, which is winning the game. Yeah. And so I do struggle with okay, are we catastrophizing, as he calls it, societal issues and making them way worse because of what we see online? Whereas in real life, we're actually treating each other pretty well for the most part. The problem is virtual world translates to voting. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of the catastrophe online and it does translate in real life in in pretty real ways and pretty important ways. Yeah. Which is through voting, through decisions we make as policy Mm -hmm. and directions we want to take. So, yes, in everyday life, am I having weird arguments with people? No. But in the in the places it matters a lot, it is bleeding over. Yeah, and so it it, it's a nuance. You're you're exactly
0: right. Right? What's what's happening? Um, and again, this is my opinion. What's happening is the media, uh, social media, um, and I would say the minority, as far as just population wise, is they're catastrophizing it and making it sound like it's a bigger problem and there's more people that agree with that than actually do so when it comes to voting it's a it's a psychology tactic is what it is yep. is saying okay hey, if we if we can get people to think that it is way worse and it can't be fixed so we've got to do something radical to fix it and everybody thinks this so i'm just going to go along with it because i'm going to i'm going to go along with the herd mm-hmm. and i'm going to i'm going to just follow in and you can convince people that may not have spent a bunch of time researching certain, um, you know, certain topics or trends or ideologies or whatever it is. There's like, well, I saw a bunch of people, and I think everybody thinks this, so I'm just going to vote that way yeah. too. And it happens; yeah. it really does. Um, I do think, though, as a culture, we're starting to call call that out. Mm-hmm. I think that we're starting to say. Um, let me, let me actually challenge that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're primed as, as, a, as a culture, uh, to ask some harder questions and yes. to maybe call accountability to some of those people that have been speaking really loud, mm-hmm. but aren't really, ne- aren't necessarily speaking truth.
1: Yeah. I definitely see, you know, growing up doctors, for instance, were thought of as untouchable. Yeah. Like they know literally everything. everything. They've been touched by the hand of God personally, and they know everything and don't ever question. Yep. And I'm not saying it's necessarily great that we're in a position where we're constantly now questioning. Yeah. Maybe we've just like everything the pendulum swung a little maybe too far. Yeah. But I am excited that we are starting to realize that's just a human being that happened to go to school for ten years. Yeah. And has some experience doesn't mean they're not flawed doesn't mean they don't have their own bias and it doesn't mean that they're going to be incorrect right. at, at points. Yep. So I agree with you. I think people are starting to wake up a little bit. We'll use that phrase. Yeah. To the realities that we're all wake human
0: beings. up. Not. Wake up. Not the
1: other one. Not woke up. Woke up. up. <laughs> yeah. You woke. But we're starting to, and same thing with politicians. Yeah. We're starting to, to get to the underbelly of the truth, yeah. which is, again, these people are flawed. They're human beings. Yeah. They want power just like everybody else. They yeah. want success just like everybody else. Yeah their success just manifests itself in a way that impacts all of us. Yeah. So it's a much to a higher degree mm-hmm. of impact. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, I do agree with you. I think we're starting to get to the point where we're aware of this.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little bit of an example, and even personally, because and, and, I can really only speak for myself. I can't, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else. Um, but I, there was a video that, uh, of an interview that I was watching over the weekend and an interviewer was interviewing a professor and it just shows a little clip, like a, a really short clip. And, uh, I think I think prior to where I'm at, like currently, I would have just been like dang, Yeah. I'd have just gone along with, because the the theme of it is this interviewer asks one question that sets off professor. And so I'm like, All right, I'll watch it. So I watch it. And, the interviewer is saying, okay, I, I hear, well, what is the truth? And this professor gets f- super offended, and he's like, the, the, the truth? Um, you are using um, adversarial words, and I would prefer that you don't use the, that word truth. And he's like, what do you mean? Why is truth, why is that uh, combative? He's like, it's transphobic. It's this, it's that. And he goes through this whole deal and he goes, how is truth offensive to you? <laughs> no, a truth is this. And he goes off and he's super upset that he's, he's asking for what the truth is. And I think, again, a year, two, three years ago, I'd have been like, dude, that's what's the problem with the society. That's what's wrong. You, you, can't even, you can't even answer and say what the truth is. We've lost truth altogether right now i'm like okay well what happened prior to mm-hmm. them cutting into that interview right. like what 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 is the topic that they're even talking about the the professor talks about transphobic okay were they talking about gender identity were they talking about, i don't know and i and i so for me to jump on the bandwagon is yeah. like i'm kind of asking questions whether it's from the left or the right like i do think that this culture in this book right here right talking about how words are violent and words are um Uh, you know, invoke hostility Mm -hmm. and all these things. And it's like, guys, they're words. Mm -hmm. Like you're losing intent, you're losing context, you're losing all of these things. And you're taking these as as violent and trauma invoking. And that's not the case. Like we are soft, no doubt about it. As a culture, we are soft and we are continuing to get softer. So yes, do we need to get tougher? 100%. But we do need to ask questions on both sides. We mm-hmm. do need to be able to say and self-assess. I control me, and that's the only person that I can actually make an impact on. So what am I going to do? Am I going to ask the questions? Am I just going to throw gas on the fire because I saw some media on some video on social media? Mm-hmm. No. It's like we have to ask questions. We have to self-assess. We have to hold ourselves accountable. It's not our job to necessarily hold everybody else accountable unless you're holding yourself accountable. That's right. Sorry, that was kind of a tangent.
1: No, it was good. So how do we reverse course here? And so what he does in this last section is he gives us f- it's six general principles. We're only going to cover five of them today. So five general principles to create wiser children.
0: Because that's what we do on this show is we pick and choose that's what's, right. what's actually important, for the messages <laughs> that we want to actually share. That's so. right.
1: So, and if that doesn't perk your ears up, I don't know what will. Five general principles to create wiser children. So he gives these five principles and then he gives sub sub points in each one of these principles. So number one, prepare the child for the road. We've said this a dozen times in this this series. Prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And so from the book, he says, it was foolish to think one could clear the road for one's child before the internet. Now it's delusional. Kids need to develop a normal immune response rather than an allergic response to the everyday irritations and provocations of life, including life on the internet. You cannot teach anti-fragility, directly, but you can give your children the gift of experience, the thousands of experiences they need to become resilient, autonomous adults. In that spirit, here are some specific suggestions for parents, teachers, and all who care for children. Number one, assume that your kids are more capable this month than they were last month. Resist the urge to jump in and help them when they're struggling to do things and seem to be doing them the wrong way. Trial and error is a slower, but usually better teacher than direct instruction. Mm. Number two, let your kids take more small risks. Well, let's talk about one okay. real quick. <laughs> I know we got a going to be a long episode if we go through uh, each one of them. No, I know, but
0: I, th- but I think it's important. Like, yeah, for sure. Creating, teaching your kids to do things um, and letting them fail and then letting them correct that failure. I think that's really important. I think that's an important And it's so hard to do. Oh my god, it is so hard.
1: It's. I I gave this example a few weeks back where I was a terrible parent. Yeah, and that happens all the time. But when my son number one tracked mud in the house. Yeah. And then he tried to clean it up. He tried to do the right thing without even me asking because he felt so bad, Mm. and he was just spreading it everywhere. (laughs) And I got frustrated with him. Told him to get out of the bathroom. Sent him outside. So now he's pissed. He's angry. He's crying. I'm pissed and worked up. And now I'm still having to clean up the mess. Yeah. What would have been much easier if I'd step back for a second, detached from the emotion of the situation uh-huh. and realize, okay, this is a great moment of yeah. teaching for both of us. Uh-huh. If I can just relax for a second and let, yes, it's going to take longer. Yes. He's going to screw it up. But if I had just let him in that moment, clean the mess up himself and mm-hmm. helped him guided him through that would have been a much better result than me sending them outside angry and me being angry, having to clean it up myself. That's right. So it's hard. It's hard. hard. It's super hard.
0: And an example in in my case is last week um, we had some people over. So it's, you know, kind of Saturdays yard work. That's what we do. And, and I've talked about this a bunch. One of my favorite things to do is mow the lawn. Like I love it. Like that's my favorite thing to do. My eight year old also loves it. And so <laughs> this is my one thing I have I <laughs> Damn don't it you take this from me. But a few years ago, so like when he was six, he started learning how to, how to mow the lawn. Uh, it was something that I learned early on. And it was just a, a skill that it was really important that my kids, my kids learn that. And so usually I confine him to just doing the backyard, right? Cause it's, it's straight, it's easy. People don't necessarily see it. So, well, this week I had some other stuff to do, and he's begging. He's been begging. Please, can I mow? Can I mow? Can I mow? And I'm like, but like, it's got to be perfect in the front yard. Like, it, <laughs> like, and I was like, all right. He needs. He needs to do it. So I let him do it. And you don't have any grass left today. <laughs> for, for the most part, he did good. For the most part, he did good. Um, like, there's little things that I'm like super nitpicky, like. Okay, if there's like a little patch that's like a foot and a half long where you the blade just misses it, and so there's some long ones. Sure. So there's like two or three of those, and oh, it ate me. Oh, it ate me so much, and I'm like, I can just hop on, let him go inside, and then I'll just go fix it. And and he didn't do this intentionally, so I learned this, like going through it, and because I had some other stuff, and I didn't get back to it before we had some people over. And that week... Going in and out of the driveway, he saw this. And he literally gets on the lawnmower and goes back and no fixes way. it. And I'm like, had awesome. I just fixed it, he wouldn't have – I wouldn't have given him the opportunity to kind of recognize that and, like, yeah. to go to go do it. And I'm like, that's pretty, freaking cool. That is cool. awesome. That is really cool. And then, like, even last night, like, I could I, I – have. I had to work on my truck last night. I had to put a new air, air filter on. And so – um, my dad used to like bring me out and I used to work on it with, with my dad and I learned and, and I've never brought them out. And I was like, Hey boys, you guys want to, you guys want to come help me? And it's so frustrating. Cause like they still, they're still turning it the wrong way. They don't know. Like, and, and it was like, there's like two or three times that I'm like, no, 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 no. Just give it. To-. I'm like, okay, hold on. Okay. Put the socket on. Make sure it's going the right way. When it's clicking, it's ratcheting. That's not the way you turn it. It shouldn't ratchet. So I'm like walking through all these things. My an eight-year-old built this whole in, uh, air intake system last night. And I'm like, dude. And I almost was like, mm, it's going to be too hard to have them out there. It's going to be frustrating. Yeah. Because it's just easier not to like. Right let him fail Just get it done, and give him the credit that he deserves. Like he can do more this month than he could last month.
1: Yeah. Not only is that great for his self-improvement, but now think about for you selfishly mm-hmm. and I know you love the most. So it's a little different, but yeah, I'm not giving that. Up. <laughs> but if you were, if, say you're out of town one yeah. week and it needs to get done. Yeah. Now he has the skills to be able to do it because you let him figure that's out right. himself. Yep. And as opposed to now, you know, the yard doesn't get done. Yeah. So that's, that's an awesome example. I, I don't even want to ruin that example with, spitting out more words. Number two, let your kids take more small risks and let them learn from getting some bumps and bruises. Children need opportunities to dose themselves with risk. Number three, encourage your children to walk or ride bicycles to and from school at the earliest age possible. I remember I used to walk to school every single day. I think ride the bus needs
0: to be in that as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially I mean, for...
0: I'm, I'm like 15 miles from my kids' school, so they're not walking or riding their bike. That's true. Yeah, I think, the I think riding the bus is another thing too, right? Um, because it's it's scary for some parents. I think
1: the I think the spirit of that statement is they have to pay attention to be able to get themselves to school. Yeah, they have to be aware and alert. So yeah. that's I think the spirit of yeah. So riding you know the bus, what? you be know what's aware. so
0: funny is I think generationally we are geographically challenged. Like people just don't oh, know sure. how to get around, and that's part of the reason because. We're a, we're a map quest, Mm -hmm. Google maps culture that like, that's how we get around and we don't actually pay attention to how and where we get where and riding a bike. That's, that's, you have to pay attention to where you're
1: going. Yeah. I never never even thought about that. Uh, the next one, help your kids find a community of kids in the neighborhood who come from families that share your commitment to avoid overprotection. Next, send your children to an overnight summer camp in the woods for a few weeks without devices. And then lastly, encourage for a few th- weeks. Yeah. For a few weeks without devices. That's, that's aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, lastly, encourage your children to engage in a lot of productive disagreement. Learning how to give and take criticism without being hurt is an essential life skill. So that's how you prepare your child for the road and not the road for your child. Like it that makes sense. I want to take a quick break and thank our partner's sleep number and highlight a couple things they're doing. Guys, these sleep number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out, a Sleep Number store, wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to bedding. So get yourself to Sleep Number, get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. Principle number two, Oh, wait, that was one? That was number one. Oh, holy smokes. That's why I said it's going to be a long one if we stop after each (laughs) subsection. (laughs) Principle, they're not all as long as as that. But Principle number two, your worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. This is a big one, especially for me. Yeah. Teach your children mindfulness. According to John Kabat-Zinn, professor of medicine emeritus, emeritus, at the University of Massachusetts Medical it's School. Emeritus. Emeritus. See, that's something I clearly never achieved. <laughs> <laughs> At the University of Massachusetts Medical School, mindfulness means pay attention paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. Research indicates that establishing a mindfulness practice reduces anxiety, diminishes stress reactivity, enhances coping, benefits attention, increases compassion and strengthens emotion regulation. Researchers see improvements in children in school behavior, test anxiety, perspective taking, social skills, empathy, and even grades. Children and teens who engage in mindfulness practices are better able to calm themselves and be more present. For more information on some easy mindfulness exercises for parents and children, see the New York Times Mindfulness for Children Guide by David Gellis and Cognitively based Compassion Training, from the Emory-Tibet partnership. Okay. That's a big one. That's something we never, not even a single time, talked about the entire time I grew up. Not at school, not at church, not at mm-hmm. home. Was how do you take care of your mental health? Mm-hmm. And now, thankfully, 2022, this is starting to become a bigger deal, mm-hmm. thankfully. But we, we, it's easy, to, con- it's easy to, to conceptualize, all right, if I want to get better at baseball, I practice baseball. If I want to get better at football, I pr- at practice football for whatever reason, we don't think if I want to improve my anxiety or my worry or my stress, I need to get better at dealing with those emotions. For some reason, we just kind of suppress those feelings or just let them run rampant. We never build skills to deal correctly with those. And so that's why I want to include that last part is because I don't know where to start. Yeah, I've never been taught this before. So I think those two great resources, let me repeat those. The New York Times Mindfulness for Children Guide by David Gellis and cognitively based compassion training from the Emory-Tibet partnership. And if you want me to repeat those again, just either rewind it or get the book. But I thought that was such a great point is that we don't spend a lot of time on building the skill of mindfulness. So
0: I had a conversation and I keep using my five-year-old just because um, he just, or my my eight-year-old, sorry. uh, He challenges us more And, and makes us, makes us be more intentional as parents. Um, and one of the things he came, he came to work out with me last on Saturday morning and he, he struggles more with like, um, like self doubt, um, like the, the negative self talk stuff more than any of my other kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, he, we, ha- we literally had this like, okay, you need to, you need to pay attention. We had this conversation coming home because he just kind of got, got all in his head and I can't do it and I'm not good enough and all this. And, and we had the conversation for the first time and I don't know how much he retained. I hope he grabbed onto something, but like just listening to those voices in your head, being aware of which voice you're going to listen to. And we've, we've had, we've talked about these on, on the show quite a bit is, all right, how aware are you of that dialogue that's going on in your head and which one, which voices are you going to listen to? And it's something that, yeah, I never was taught. Like I literally in my head, I mean, still to this day I struggle with it, but it always was, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You're not good enough to be, the quarterback, you're not good enough to be on this team. You're not good enough to talk to the girl. You're not good enough to be in that group of guy friends. You're not good enough. To, I mean, the list goes on and on. That was all, all in my head mm-hmm. was you're not good enough. How did that hold you back, do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, I just wonder what it would be like. Like, I, I think my last year in the NFL was the first time that I was like, I belong here. And it was the best i ever played it was the freest the fastest i ever played maybe my senior year in high school um, was the same in football and wrestling it was like no like i'm i'm i mean I was, again this sorry sound this is it not as hum, a humble brag but it's like i was the section player of the year like in california it's broken up into sections it's not you, there's no statewide deal it's just sections. I was like the player of the year and still like, there was still like, Oh, you're not good enough. Why are you here? But I still played closest to like, I belong and I'm, I'm, I'm the man Mm -hmm. like not in an arrogant, not in an ego way. And then wrestling, it was the first time like nobody can beat me. And I actually went out and lived that out. Right. So I, I just wonder, I don't know. I don't know how that held me back or, or if it did hold me back or if it actually helped me, I'm not exactly sure, but, it would be interesting to go back and see how I performed yeah. thinking that like you are good enough to be here and you, you belong here.
1: There's obviously an element of kids developing and, and their literal brain not being developed. There's, you're going to have that element, but I wonder if, so set that aside. I wonder if as diligent as you were in your wrestling practice mm-hmm. and training and watching film, same thing in football. Mm-hmm. What if you had been that diligent with your mental, <laughs> Health. And if we taught a generation of kids to be that diligent with their mental health, because arguably, Mm -hmm. now there's great skills you're going to learn in football, there's great skills you're going to learn in wrestling, there's great skills you're going to learn in these extracurricular activities, but is there arguably a better skill that you can learn than how you speak to yourself? Yeah and how you train your brain and how you train your mind to handle situations. And you,
0: you talk yeah. about mental toughness, mental resiliency, like what you can actually endure because you are mentally fit. Right. And you're in shape yeah. mentally.
1: Yeah. And part of the problem is we were never taught that, so how can we teach our kids? So it's imperative on you and I mm-hmm. to learn this stuff, Yeah, to go visit these two websites, yeah, to probably. read books, to listen to podcasts on mental health. Drew Robinson's a great, ambassador for this right now. Mm-hmm. This is literally saving his life right now, his mm-hmm. mental, uh, mental mindfulness practices. Mm-hmm. So you and I need to learn this, and then now we can pass it on to our kids. Because if our kids can figure this out at 8, 10, 12 years old, yep. whereas we're figuring out at 34 and 36 or however old you are? 37. 37? They're just going to be set up for a much better, smoother experience no matter what transition happens to them in life. Mm-hmm. There's so many examples I can point to on my journey and my path where mental health and mindfulness would have been very beneficial to me. And so I think this is one of the greatest gifts. There's so much on our plate as parents to think about, but this, is yep. one of the, this should be one of the top priorities yeah. in my opinion Yeah. because Agreed. kids are dealing with so much, coming at them, dealing with their mental health, teaching them how to, how to get great at mindfulness mm-hmm. is going to be so valuable for yep. them. So that's number two. Number three, the dividing line of good and evil. Uh, So to support this principle, give people the benefit of the doubt. Wild concept. Number two, practice the virtue of intellectual humility. Intellectual humility is the recognition that our reasoning is so flawed, so prone to bias that that we can rarely be certain that we are right. We are all wrong about many things at every moment. We are all wrong about many things at every moment, but until we know it, we are often quite certain that we are right. Having people around us who are willing to disagree with us is a gift. So when you realize you are wrong, admit that you are wrong, and thank your critics for helping you see it. I <laughs> love that so much. Being wrong sucks. Yeah, It is not fun to be wrong. There's so much ego involved in that. All the beliefs that you've had, depending on whatever you're, you're wrong in, it challenges a lot of about who you are, Mm -hmm. but the ability to be able to admit that you're wrong, the humility it takes to admit that you're wrong is such a valuable skill for our kids to learn. Yep. This is, I mean, I'm seeing just for fun, I went to Facebook over the weekend and I, Saw some controversial, would do that? <laughs> some controversial headline, and I went to the comments and I got my popcorn ready because I knew this was going to be so good. And to just see the entertainment in the comments of, otherwise, I'm assuming rational people arguing with strangers on the internet has to be one of the funniest things to ever witness. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting here thinking if we can teach our kids this skill. To be able to admit when they're wrong, accept when they're wrong, and do better. I just, I mean, again, the the mindfulness thing, but that's just such a great skill to be able to learn. Yep. Anything to add to that? I just, I think of,
0: I think of the people that I interact with, or that have had the opportunity to interact with, that have that intellectual humility to say, man, you're right. Like, thank you. Mm -hmm. How much more I want to continue having conversations with that person the yeah. more, not because I was right, not because they were wrong, but because they do have that humility and they do have that, like, Hey, I, I do want to learn. Like mm-hmm. my thought process, like is flawed for sure. Like, let's talk more about it. Like that's how, that's how deeper connections are made. And that's what we, we try to do on the podcast is we try to be transparent. We try to be, you know, humble. We try to like say, look, we don't have it all figured out. We don't know. Like we struggle too. Like we really do just because like you're listening to our voice while driving to work doesn't mean that we know everything. And those are the people that I want to connect with. And those are the people that I want to do life with. So you're talking about having, you know, intellectual humility to me, that translates to like relational integrity.
1: And it's like, that's, that's what we're trying to get to. We've said this before, but imagine if one of our country's leaders had come out at any point in the last few years. Oh my gosh. And admitted they were wrong. Yeah. But not just admitted they were wrong. Yeah. But admitted humility and then said, okay, here's what we're going to do about it. Yeah. Imagine how far that would have gone. Yeah. But no, everybody wants to be right. Everybody can't admit when they're wrong because they're afraid of the ramifications well, of doing so. Yeah.
0: And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And I get it. Like as a government, you have to invoke security. Like you have to say, look, Hey, we've got, we're working at it. We're figuring it out. We got it taken care of. Don't panic. Panic is bad. Mm-hmm. I get it. But like, had Trump come out and been like, we don't really know. I mean, he, he did sometimes in a super condescending way. Oh, hey, like he, these masks. we we could
1: do 18 episodes on his lack of awareness. Yeah. <laughs> Intellectual humility. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but but same deal, like whether it's Fauci, whether it's Biden, whether everybody had the answer. Mm-hmm. And ninety percent of the answers were wrong. Right. Come to find out. And that's okay to be wrong. That's okay if you have
1: the humility to admit like, that
0: you're wrong. But listen, we are pouring every single resource into finding the truth. So before you start speaking uh COVID gospel. Right. Maybe just say, hey, look, let's let's get through the data. Let's get through the test. Let's not just try to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. We're going to all protect each other. We're all in this together. Like we don't have it all figured out yet. Here's what we're seeing. But it's not truth. Yep. Imagine that.
1: Yeah. Imagine how people would have reacted to that. Yeah. It goes back to the episode last week, the cover your ass mentality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 100 some sort of answer is better than no it's so answer
0: is Isn't it so funny, right? Like you do something like as a professional athlete or an actor, you do something eight years ago and it gets recorded and it's on the internet. It's never getting lost. Like right. people, are, they'll find that mm-hmm. and they're going to, Oh, they're going to go pull that out. But like a government official says something wrong. It's forgot about in a, a week. Right. Yeah. You know, oh, where did that?
1: Oh, whoops. Said something that like cost people lives. Right. Because our attention span is just, yeah. and again, that's another episode. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to stop right there. Yeah.
0: All right. I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is. The new expansion, they've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar, they've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode.
1: Number four, help schools to oppose the great untruths. Here's a good one. We begin with ideas for elementary schools. Number one, homework in an early grade an early grade should be minimal. In the early grades, it's always good to encourage kids to read with their parents and on their own. But homework beyond that should not intrude on playtime or family time. Other than encouraging ki- reading, minimize or eliminate all homework in kindergarten and first grade. In later elementary grades, homework should be simple and brief. As Duke University psychologist and a homework expert Harris Cooper puts it, Did you know there's such a thing as a homework expert? I didn't. (laughs) It's a new one. Apparently, this guy's a homework expert.
0: But honestly, (laughs) who at 13 years old says, I want to be the foremost expert on homework?
1: (laughs) I'm assuming he fell ass backwards into that. (laughs) But Harris Cooper says, in elementary school, short and simple homework can help reinforce simple skills. Further, short and simple homework can help younger students begin to learn time management, organizational skills, and a sense of responsibility, and can help keep parents informed of their child's progress. But for elementary school children, the expectation of big improvements in achievement from long assignments is likely to be unmet. Yeah. Number two, give more recess with less supervision. It's kind of weird we've gone away from recess. It's insane. Insanity. Give more recess with less supervision. Recess on school property generally provides an ideal and physically safe setting for free play. Number three, Discourage the use of the word safe or safety from anything other than physical safety. One of John's friends recently forwarded him an email that a third-grade teacher sent to parents about recess and about children forming clubs. Basically, kids who played together at recess weren't allowing non-members to join in. Reasonable minds can disagree about the wisdom of compelling kids to be inclusive at recess, but the last line of the email alarmed John. Quote, we were thinking about how everyone at recess can feel safe and included, end quote. This is the seed of safetyism. It is painful to feel excluded and is good for the teacher to use kids' exclusion as a basis for discussion to help kids reflect on why inclusion is good. But the pain of occasional exclusion doesn't make kids unsafe. If we mandate inclusion in everything and teach kids that exclusion puts them in danger— that being excluded should make them feel unsafe, then we are making future experiences of inclusion more painful and giving kids the expectation that an act of exclusion warrants calling in an authority figure to make the exclusion stop. I'm going to take a break there because yes. I know you want to say something about yes. that. Yes, <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so I'm not going to lie. Um, Tiffany and I had a disagreement last week. Uh, they... Here we go again with my eight year old again. Um, <laughs> Dude, your eight year old is going to be a stud. <laughs> he may not be one today, but he's going to be a stud. <laughs> so, uh, he had a birthday party uh, on Saturday afternoon, and um, he is on the younger side uh, of the boys his age. And, you know, he's coordination wise not, not there yet with the kids. Um, he's a little bit, a little bit, like he's tr- still trying to figure out socially how to interact. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, he, he's got buddies and I mean, he, he's doing great. He's a great kid. Great kid. Yeah. Um, but, um, Tiffany and I got into a disagreement because she wanted me to go to the birthday party because the boys are kind of mean cause he's, he's a big boy. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's um he doesn't have a six pack at this moment right he's, now. He's
1: a he's a young Ben. He <laughs> <laughs> some sort of puka shells on him, couldn't
0: tell the difference. <laughs> Get that undercut and some puka shells, he's good to go. <laughs> but and so some of the some of the boys have like kind of called him chubby and it was like a water slide. They ran in one of those inflatable water slides. Been there. Man, and, um and so Tiffany was like, "No, I, I don't want. I don't want him there by himself. Like the, the boys are mean. Like they'll they'll say things to him, and they're they're kind of on him. And I'm like, these are his buddies. Like these are his friends. Like he's invited to the birthday party. Like yeah. he is one of one of the guys." She's like, "No, I just I don't want him to be there because like what if they do? And like I need you there. Like I, you need to be there. And we're gonna cancel something else so that I could go to be there to protect him." in this scenario. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I said, listen, he has to figure this out. Like he has to be able to work through those things. He has to be able, to, if he does say something, he has to learn how to respond to that. And if he responds wrong, he needs to, he needs to go through that and say, okay, Hey, look, I can't react that way. Cause I'm not going to get the outcome that I want to get from it. And that's I'm we are both spending Tiffany and I are both spending a lot of time talking to him about that. Like if you do A and it equals B, is that do you still do A? Right? It, what or scenario A, reaction B, result C, like What's what's the problem here? And you need to figure that out. And he needs. And as kids, there needs to be conflict. There needs to be disagreement. There needs to be. And I'm not saying there needs to be kids making fun of other kids. Like that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But what I'm saying is though they do have to navigate these relationships on their own. Because if mom and dad swoop in, hey boys, you need to be nice. Don't talk to him like that. How is that going to help him when he's at school? Right. And I'm not there. Right. How is that going to help mm-hmm. his relationship with them when 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 his dad comes in and saves the day it's yeah. not yeah. And, and that's the that's literally like what what he's talking about is this like safetyism like when i'm gonna go force inclusion on these boys when it's like no they need to go navigate those things themselves or look guess what not everybody likes everybody and that's okay yeah and it's like, okay, look, you need to find some friends that, like, lift you up, encourage you. And if those boys, other boys are mean, you can be nice to them. You can be kind to them. But you don't have to be friends with them. Yeah. And so, like, but but navigating those nuances of those relationships is important for a kid to, to figure out. And when we are just these helicopter parents that just, like, protect, 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 and don't let them go through that, and don't let them go, like, and so, for example, she had someone there that was kind of texting, like, how's it going? Oh, it was great. He did good. He got upset one or two times. Cause they like pushed him down the slide. And, um, and so he kind of went and sat by himself for a little bit and then he, and then he came back and everything was fine. See, yeah. Figured it out. Yeah. But like, you can't, it's hard for mama bear. Though. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> I, I get it. And yeah. she's like, I just don't want him to be crushed. And, and, and I get it. Um, and
1: that's why it's so easy to fall down this trap. Because it is hard to watch your kids yeah. in that scenario. Like it, it's hard for me to listen to this story, yeah. thinking about your son and yeah. you know him getting made fun of. Because yeah. well, for one thing, it takes me back to, yeah. to when I was a kid, so I get it. But it's hard to watch your kids in that scenario. The problem is that we take that, and it's like a lot of problems we face. Yes, maybe we have the short term solution for it, and in the moment we solve it. Yep. But what downstream effects is that causing? <laughs> if Daddy comes in and saves you know your son if you come and save your son in that scenario yeah maybe you fix that one but the next week in school guess what they're going to be making fun of him for now yeah your daddy had to come save you yeah and then when he's 21 and he's out on his own and a scenario comes up dad's not coming to save him then mm-hmm. so again that sounds extreme but that is a small you're you're taking a short-term gratification momentary yeah. fix yep but what downstream effects is that going to have yep. so good for you for having the foresight of no, let's, it's going to be uncomfortable, yep. but he's going to get through this. He's going yep. to be okay on the other side of this because we're going to make him go through that. Yep. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, and then here's some ideas for middle school and high school. Number one, protect or expand middle school recess. The American Academy of Pediatrics notes in a 2013 statement that, quote, cognitive processing and academic performance depend on regular breaks from concentrated classwork. This applies equally to adolescents and to young children, end quote. Number two, cultivate the intellectual virtues. The intellectual virtues are the qualities necessary to be a critical thinker and an effective learner. They include curiosity, open-mindedness, and intellectual humility. Ask questions, seek understanding, and practice the habit of good thinking. Practice ongoing self-reflection and self-awareness. Strive for a strong sense of community marked by collaboration, empowerment, and intentional openness, and respect for the, other, for the thinking of others. This is also an antidote to the untruth of us versus them. Uh, next one, teach debate and offer debate club. A great way for students to learn the skills of civil disagreement is by participating in structured formal debates. It is especially important that students practice arguing for positions that oppose their own views. In addition to the obvious benefit of learning how to make a well-supported case, debate helps students distinguish between a critique of ideas and a personal attack. Mm. thought that was great. Yes. Let's pause on that one for a second because <laughs> I think back to my middle school days, there was a debate team, and that was for the nerds, right? Oh, 100%, The nerds did debate. 100%. But, but now that I'm 34 and have a different perspective, I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah. To have your kid go through, and, and it's because of that last line. In addition yeah. to the obvious benefits of learning how to make a self a well-supported case, so that's a great benefit. You have to build up your case. Mm-hmm. Debate helps students distinguish between a critique of ideas and a personal attack. Yes. Your mind, even at 34, my mind goes to when somebody criticizes me, It sting, the first half second stings because it, I feel it's a personal attack on me. Yeah. Until, it's, until I sit back and think, no, it's not a personal attack. It's just so if idea. it's hard at 34 to ha- make that distinction, imagine yeah. what it is at 8 14, years old, yeah. at 14 years old. Yeah. Whatever. As a kid... To make, be able to make that differentiation. Yeah. So, the more you can expose yourself to that and be able to see, okay, this is a critique, yeah. not a personal attack. Oh, I don't know what that was. That was new. <laughs> Something just fell in the, uh, the studio. But it's a critique, not a personal that's attack. That's right. There's yeah. a massive difference between those two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do, wanna, I do wanna go back to that recess in middle school. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, yeah, we, we didn't have like recess. little breaks. Like, you know, you'd have your break period. I think it was, like, eight minutes between, like, third and fourth period, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, But if it's, like, traditional recess, I kind of feel like that's self-preservation for teachers. (laughs) Because I don't know about you all, but, like, that's when BO started happening for me. Yeah. And if I'm out there playing four-square tetherball in seventh grade,
1: oh, yeah, those after-lunch classes are going to yeah. be ripe. Right. right, yeah. maybe Maybe save that for the end of the day. But, you know, it goes back to earlier, there's a difference between free play and yeah. structured play. Yeah. So, what he's speaking to there, you know, in sixth grade, we had P.E., yeah, but it was that's structured. It was structured. Mm, yeah. There was a coach there. Yeah. Everything yeah. was structured. We didn't just go out. He didn't just throw a ball out, and we just went out and played, ever. But yeah. I remember. I maybe
0: I had some lazy P.E. teachers. But maybe yeah. so.
1: But it was – that's what he's – and we didn't have – and yeah. in seventh grade, he started playing team sports, so yeah. we didn't have recess then or P.E. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's, I wonder how that's you worked at a,
0: Yeah, I don't know, at least since – I can remember when middle schools would actually do something right. like, that, like actual free play. It's almost I, get like- the, I get the idea though, right? Like how we'll even now take breaks in the middle of the workday, like go out for a walk, yeah. go do something where it's like, okay, hey, you've got to recharge in between. Because junior high is where stuff starts to get really challenging. You yeah. know, you're getting different levels of math, different levels mm-hmm. of science. And I get that, those kinds of breaks. But it's interesting on the free play for yeah. 13 and 14 right. year olds.
1: I wonder if you reduced, you know, because classes, I think it switched. I think there are 50 minutes in middle school. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, what if you reduced that each class, there's seven classes during the day, if you reduced each class by five minutes, even yeah. just five minutes, now all of a sudden you got 35 minutes, mm-hmm. maybe at the end of the day, for free play.
0: But I think they're talking about middle of the day, like breaking Or it middle up. of the day, whenever it is. But yeah. to your
1: point, the the, the rank factor. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I definitely rank oh, two. Man. But 35 minutes in the middle of the day after a lunch period. Yeah. Imagine how productive yeah. those last two periods can be. Yep. If now you're energized, now you're refocused, you reset yeah. that, that shoot. I'm going to run for school board come on, bring that up. Uh, and then lastly, assign reading and coursework that promote reason discussion. A school wide commitment to debate can be supplemented by readings and coursework that teach the habits of good thinking. We suggest that schools offer media literacy classes that teach students the difference between evidence and opinion and how to evaluate the legitimacy of sources. That makes too much sense to me. You can't do that. Yeah, skip over that. That should be one of the ones you leave out. Learning Y equals A plus B over dollar sign is way more important than critical thinking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you, but that I'm going to take X over A plus B over understanding... Uh, how to cite my sources yeah. any day of the week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who, do, who needs to do that? <laughs> just Put it on your reel. That just makes. I mean, this whole book could just be that one that oh, one paragraph. Oh, wow. if you want to if you want to fix kids, Gosh. we spend so much time on standardized tests that yeah. mean nothing, nothing in the long run, except funding. Except funding, right? There's so many benefits of you know mm-hmm. to the system but we're not teaching critical thinking. We're not teaching how to read an article and pull out the important information yeah. and discard the rest. Yeah. That's an actual life skill that guess what? Once you're 20 years old and beyond, you're going to need. Mm-hmm. You're not going to need the Pythagorean theorem after 20 years old. I don't even know what the Pythagorean that just came a out of nowhere. A squared plus B squared equals there C squared. There you go. I would never
0: just measure measuring <laughs> the missing angle of a triangle. Aren't you glad you know that? Yeah, I did a science <laughs> fair project on it in second grade, and I actually honestly I use it. I use it uh, when when I'm building stuff. Yeah. Well, there so, you go. So mm, you just proved me wrong in your face. Maybe
1: the Pythagorean theorem was a different. Was it wrong?
0: You use that when you're building stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I've got to like if I've got to figure out what the cut is on like a on like a triangle on a third uh-huh. angle if I'm doing like a brace like for the bottom of a table. Why don't you just Google. And it? I, and I understand what the vertical and the uh horizontal or if I understand like the angle length, but I need to know what the bottom is. I mean, I'll Why don't find you the just third Google. Side. it? You could, <laughs> but it's it's pretty
1: easy to do. Okay. We're, we're going to move on cuz I'm I'm wrong here and it's offending me. <laughs> I'm attacking you, Ben. Not, not the fact that, that. was a personal no, attack. That was personal. I feel unsafe.
0: You're a terrible person because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to use a Pythagorean theorem. Oh, I
1: feel so unsafe right now. <laughs> <laughs> Last one limit and refine device time. This one's, this one's talking to me. According to the nonprofit organization Common Sense Media, teens spend on average about nine hours per day on screens, and eight to 12 year olds spend about six hours. That's in addition to whatever they're doing on screens for school. How is there even nine hours in the day after school (laughs) or before school? An average of nine hours per day. That's insane. A growing body of research indicates that such heavy use is associated with bad social and mental health outcomes. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Because the topic is so complicated and the research base for making recommendations is still small. We offer just three general suggestions that we think will strike most parents and many teens as reasonable. Number one, place clear, minutes, clear limits on device time or minutes. Two hours a day seems to be a reasonable maximum, as there does not appear to be evidence of negative mental health effects at this level. For younger children, consider banning the use of devices during the school week entirely in order to delay for this as long as possible the incorporation of device time into daily routines.
0: So imagine this.
1: Have you ever had a five and a two-year-old at the same time? <laughs>
0: <laughs> at a restaurant. <laughs> at a restaurant. <laughs> um, imagine this. It, we didn't have devices when we were growing up. Right. right? Imagine limiting two hours of TV time.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? So actually, my dad did that one summer. But One, that, one hour. <laughs> but summer. During, yeah. during the school week. I can't imagine. Like,
0: we would maybe maybe get home and watch one episode of power rangers before i'd have to go to practice right like 30 minutes yeah that's true so but imagine limiting tv time to two hours back in our day right mm. you know
1: because we're back, back in my
0: day a bunch of old heads <laughs> over here but imagine that now our kids are do are spending on average nine hours nine eight to nine hours
1: yeah the uh, eight to twelve year olds are six hours six yeah no imagine
0: wonder. okay so you get home from school now again i there a lot of this is in between classes at recess I, I get it well he said not at school. outside of school device in class yeah, right, right. watching a movie on the computer whatever right. it's like the in between right but i mean just imagine spending six at eight six to eight years old six hours watching yeah. tv no You'd be like, like, you're can't. wasting your life. No wonder you like can't critically we have, think because we have it in our hand.
1: <laughs> we don't think about it. Yeah. No wonder we can't critically think or argue or take critiques. We're spending times on the idiot box yeah. six hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> a wild. Number two, pay as much attention to what children are doing as you do to how much time they're spending doing it. My son, my two-year-old, we give him the iPad sometimes and let him watch Blippi mm-hmm. on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But he loves clicking around and doing – so if we're not careful, he's on some sh- – like yesterday he ended up on some show. It's two boys playing a video game, talking about the video game and how to beat the video game. Yeah. And that, not that that's like a bad thing necessarily or that it's dangerous yeah. for him, but I don't know how he even got there. Well, imagine – He was just clicking Ray around. He could have gone Exactly. From there. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, idiot me, dad, for not paying attention, but yeah. – it's just very easy, it's, yeah. you know, with these devices, very easy. So pay attention to what they're doing on there, not just how much time. And then lastly, this one's huge. Our, our friends at Sleep Number would back this one up. Protect your child's sleep. Most teens in America aren't getting enough sleep. And one reason is that so many are staying up late, peering at their screens, experiencing painful social comparisons, and disrupting their sleep-wake cycles with light. Electronic device use should be discontinued 30 to 60 minutes before bedtime at which point all devices should be placed somewhere away from the child's bedroom. Mm-hmm. So those are three good practical tools when it comes to device time. Uh, and that's it, man. That's the five five general principles um, to create wiser children. Before I wrap it up with a reading from this, what, what are your closing thoughts on the whole book in mm-hmm. general? Have you finished the book yet? Uh, almost. I'm... Um... Done with part three going yeah. into part four. So I, I have, wonder how many people I listening to this, this. Have, have either read the book since we started talking or had read it previously. Again, I could not recommend this book more. I think it is mm. a vital, you know, we talk about a signed sign reading for kids. This is a signed reading for all parents. I 100% agree.
0: Now, I mean, there's a lot about, like, college campuses just because that's the world that they live in. Mm-hmm. But I think that's – It's that, going to be relevant. It, yeah, it it's shows be trends, relevant. right? But Soon. But, I mean – We've talked about it a lot through these, these four episodes about, you know, preparing your child for the road, not the road for your child. Like, that's, that's huge. Like, that sums it all up. Um, the mental health aspect, I think that's important. I think it's really important um, to, to start to talk to your kid about that self-talk, about what's going on in their head, um, what to listen to, what not to listen to. Reinforcing um, the positive things that your child has so that they are they are giving themselves self positive self-talk. Um, understanding the difference of being your opinions being attacked versus versus you being attacked attacked, and that not everybody is your enemy right if they just because they disagree like if we as parents can can teach our kids that hey look it's a good thing like think of that as a game that okay hey look you're playing back and forth you're battling back and forth but at the end of the day at the end of the game are the two lines we're walking across we're shaking hands and we're still friends we're all out here together on the same mission, but not everybody is just because they're on the other side. Doesn't mean they're a bad, they're the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the school stuff was, was on point, like, as far as like free play, homework, how we're handling it. Um, I loved all that. And then the device stuff. I mean, again, the device stuff is, we can go on and on and on about that. Like we have our own opinions about that. We're just, you know, some old old school mentality guys so maybe people don't relate as much but I know that my wife once a year does fasting from social media and that's the best she mentally is all year Mm. and she'll tell you every single time so they're anecdotally I don't have the science and nobody's she hasn't gone through a whole study and hasn't gone through all that so I don't have any of that but anecdotally like I truly believe that if she has done this multiple years and every single time that's when she is her healthiest mentally There's got to be something to it.
1: Yeah, I don't care if you're 8 or you're 38 or you're 48. It's easy to fall into the comparisonitis trap. And when all you're doing is scrolling through people that look better than you, that are richer than you, that have more success than you, or whatever you deem success optically, that's that's all. You're getting 30-second sound bites Mm -hmm. of of what you deem. You're going to fall into that trap of thinking that you're not worthy. So I totally see, whether it's an antidote or not, how – you know, a, a social media fast could be so beneficial. A yep. Yep. couple of things that stick out for me early in the book. Number one, and we didn't get into a whole lot of this, but just the rampant, you know, protests that were so illogical because somebody was coming to speak at a campus that they disagreed with. Yep. And how far these students went illegally, mm-hmm. mind you. There's one story they... Like they trapped really a guy in his, they trapped a guy in his office building and wouldn't let him out or else he would be physically assaulted. But there's
0: protests where like in Berkeley and all these right. places, that literally people were like hospitalized yeah. bad right really bad mm-hmm. because they got stomped out and kicked out
1: from these protesters and zero consequences right and it's a lot of that is because of the reasons we talked in here. Mm-hmm. They're spending nine hours on a screen they're never learning critical thinking they're never learning how to debate. And never learning how to solve problems without an adult coming in. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things. The other thing that stuck out for me, and, and it's it was the teen suicide and depression mm-hmm. that we talked about last week. And just how many kids are in an unhealthy place mm-hmm. mentally because of the way things are currently going. Yep. That stuck out to me. And then today was great, I thought, because it actually gives real solutions. I can't wait to implement yep. these things and continue implementing these things into my kids' lives as we continue to grow. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to finish with a reading, but before we get to that, I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you did enjoy it, please help us by sharing these episodes. We said it yesterday. It's not so that we can get personal clout mm-hmm. or look how many followers we got, look how many listeners we got. It's so that more people are have this train of thought of how can we improve. Yeah, and, and encourage. How like, can we encourage yeah, community? Yeah, yeah. So... That's the reason we ask for your help. And the way that you can help us by doing that is follow us on social media. We're at or on Instagram at one.shot.pod. We're on YouTube. Uh, also, an underrated way, even if you've already done it, and again, we we'd make the joke, you know, subscribe, rate five stars. But seriously, that helps mm-hmm. the exposure of the show. Just by going in and rating, if if, if it deserves it, rating a five-star and leaving a, a review, it'll take 20 seconds of your time. Mm-hmm. If, if, we, if you found any appreciation or value out of this podcast at any point that's what we would ask in return is yep. just go in there and do that that would really really help us out by doing that and so i want to end this section in this series hopefully you guys have enjoyed this series i want to end it on this and this is the last page of the book um or at least yeah the last page of the book and he closes out the book this way in 1750 as he was founding the school that later became the university of Pennsylvania. Benjamin Franklin wrote this to Samuel Johnson. Nothing is more important, sorry, nothing is of more importance to the public weal than to form and train up youth in wisdom and virtue. Wise and good men are in my opinion the strength of a state, much more so than riches or arms, which under the management of ignorance and wickedness often draw on destruction instead of providing for the safety of a people. This is a book about educational wisdom. If we can educate the next generation more wisely, they will be stronger, richer, more virtuous, and even safer. Appreciate you guys so much. Have a great rest of the week. We'll catch you next week.